6, verses 19 to 25. And Jesus speaking. Do not store up for yourselves treasures on earth, where moth and rust destroy, and where thieves break in and steal. But store up for yourselves treasures in heaven, where moth and rust do not destroy, and where thieves do not break in and steal. For where your treasure is, there your heart will be also. The eye is the lamp of the body. Sorry. If your eyes are good, your whole body will be good. Your whole body will be full of light. But if your eyes are bad, your whole body will be full of darkness. If then the light within you is darkness, how great is that darkness? No one can serve two masters, either who will hate the one and love the other, or who will be devoted to the one and despise the other. You cannot serve both God and money. Therefore I tell you, do not worry about your life, what you will eat or drink, or about your body, what you will wear. Is not life more important than food, and the body more important than clothes? Amen. Thank you, Peter. Um, so just a reminder, we're going to begin and then we'll pause at 11 a.m. Um, to remember uh, the fallen. Um, and so we're continuing our series uh, from the Sermon on the Mount today. And today will actually be the last of this part of it uh, while we pause to do our, our Vision Sunday and Big Day Out and then into Christmas. And we'll pick that back up again uh, next year. Um, and so... Uh, we're not only doing half of the Sermon on the Mount, we're just going to have a break uh, from it for a while while we digest uh, what God has spoken to us. So I'm going to pray and then we're going to uh, jump into uh, this morning's message. So Father, we thank you for your word. We pray that we wouldn't just go through the motions of, of talking about it this morning, but we pray that you would speak to us as a church and as individual followers of Jesus. Uh, we pray that you would speak to our very hearts this morning through your word. In Jesus' name. Amen. I want to begin this morning by asking you this question. I was worried for a moment that the slides weren't working, but, but this is the question I want to ask you. What are you worried about? What are you worried about? What comes up to mind when I ask that question? What are you worried about? And I don't just mean what are you anxious about or, or, or what, what's really got you worked up. What are you worried about? What are you focused upon? What are you letting consume your time and energy, both physical and mental? What are you worried about? What do you think about the most? What's on your mind? What's the most present thoughts to you when I ask that question? What are you worried about? A related question, as we'll see this morning, is what do you treasure? Through this passage that Jesus takes, and we're going to go on a little bit further from the reading this morning, Jesus takes these ideas, our, our sense of worry and concern and our sense of treasure, and he puts them together and he says, what you're really worried about is really what you treasure, what you value most, what your attention is focused on, what consumes your mental energy is your treasure. So what are you worried about? What are you concerned about? What are you focused upon? Really tells us something about what is our treasure. And so Jesus in this passage tells us to be careful what we treasure. 
Jesus says, be careful what you treasure. He says in the first uh, verses that Peter read for us from Matthew chapter 6, 19 and 21, he says, do not store up for yourselves treasures on earth where moth and vermin destroy and where thieves break in and steal, but store up for yourselves treasure in heaven where moth and vermin do not destroy and where thieves do not break in and steal. And so Jesus says that there's two kinds of treasure. There's the temporal and temporary and there's the eternal and lasting. And so earthly treasure is, is its money, its possessions, it's, it's the pleasures of this world, it's our, it's our phones, it's our watches, it's our, it's our shoes, it's our clothes, it's everything that belongs to us or we want to belong, it's our homes, it's our cars, it's, it's everything that we can have or experience in this world. That's what Jesus says about earthly treasure. And the thing he says about that treasure is, It can rust. It can corrode. In fact, everything rusts, corrodes, or is eaten by vermin. Nothing in this world, no treasure that we can possess or experience in this life will last. Most of it doesn't even last for the whole life, but none of it will last beyond our life for us. And so Jesus says, don't store up that kind of treasure. In the original Greek, the word for store up is actually almost the same as the word treasure. And so Jesus is saying, don't treasure, treasure. Don't make your treasure the things that you can have and possess and experience and own in this life. Don't make that the thing that you worry about, that you value, that consumes your energy. Don't make that your treasure. He says, store up for yourself treasure in heaven. And now this is intentionally a bit more ambiguous. We can't point to a thing and say that's it, but, but it's all of the, the, the righteous living that Jesus has talked about in the previous parts of this, this sermon. It's, the, it's not just living the law to tick the boxes, but living it from the heart, being those who are, are righteous and seeking to be more and more righteous from their heart. It's those who, as we talked about last week, don't give and pray and fast so that other people can see. It's, the, it's those who give and pray and fast just so that the Father can see. It's those who, who do things, who believe things, who are primarily focused on Jesus as Lord and God's kingdom. And so it's, it's less tangible, it's less able to point to something and say, that's the thing. But Jesus says that we should be focused on storing up that kind of treasure. And so what I'm going to do is invite you to stand now and I'm going to read uh, the Ode of Remembrance and then we're going to take a moment's silence and then uh, I'm going to pray. And so we take this moment uh, to remember those who gave their lives uh, in battles uh, for our nation and for freedom. They shall grow not old as we who are left grow old. And age shall not weary them, nor the years condemn. At the going down of the sun and in the morning, we will remember them.
lest we forget. And so, Father, we do thank you for those who can take a seat as I pray. Thank you for those who gave their lives um, that we might be free. We thank you, Lord, that though next time I hope to have the presence of mind to coordinate with Kids Church on Remembrance Day when that happens, we thank you, Lord, that for the sacrifice of others, we, they have the freedom to be unaware of such things. Though that's not necessarily what we'll choose in the future, Lord, but we thank you that they are free to be concerned about the sort of things that we're remembering today. And so, Father, we thank you for the lives countless interrupted as we interrupt just for a moment our service this morning. We thank you and remember those whose lives were cut off and the millions of others whose lives were interrupted by, by war and conflict. And so we remember their lives and we pray also uh, for our world that as we remember the atrocities of war, we pray may such conflict never occur again and in places where conflict is either happening now or on the brink of happening, we just pray that your overwhelming and supernatural peace would take hold. In Jesus' name, amen. And so Jesus says that we shouldn't store up uh, earthly treasure, those things that we can possess in this life, but a temporary, temporal, that the things that will pass away be corroded and corrupted. He says to store up treasure in heaven, to treasure heavenly treasure. And so these two kinds of treasure, it's not just about what do we prefer, what do we like most, it's, it's actually about our entire value system and our entire priorities in life. It's about everything we believe, everything we hope our life to become. It's, a, it's about the entire direction of our life. Who and what do you treasure? What are you worried about most? And so the question is, do we treasure treasure or do we treasure the things of heaven? Because Jesus says in the last part of this section of the passage, for where your treasure is, there your heart will be also. Where your treasure is, there your heart will be also. So this, this isn't about stuff. It's not ultimately about stuff. It's about what does our attitude towards the stuff say about our heart? What does our attitude towards the stuff say about our beliefs, our priorities, our values? Because where your treasure is, there your heart will be also. If we're familiar with the Scriptures, we'll know that Jesus was asked at one point, what's the greatest command in all of the Scriptures? And, and his response was, uh, the greatest command in all the Scriptures is to love the Lord your God with your whole heart, with your whole heart, soul, body, mind, strength and spirit, depending on which uh, gospel we use, we can add them all in there. But the first word is heart. Love the Lord your God with your whole heart. And so here's the thing. If there is anything else in this world that we treasure over or even alongside Jesus, he does not fully have our heart. If there's anything in this world that we are worried about, concerned about, focused upon, over or even alongside Jesus, he does not fully have our heart. So Jesus says, be careful what you treasure because it's not about the stuff. It's about who 
has your heart. Jesus goes on to say, be careful what you focus on. And for, for many of us reading through this, this kind of thing about good eyes and bad eyes is a bit of an interruption. What's Jesus talking about? Um, he says in uh, Matthew chapter 6, 22 and 23, reading on further, the eye is the lamp of the body. If your eyes are healthy or good, your whole body will be full of light. But if your eyes are unhealthy or bad, your whole body will be full of darkness. If then the light within you is darkness, how great is that darkness? And so the, the context in which Jesus spoke into was a Jewish culture. And so in Jewish literature, the eyes and the heart are closely connected. The idea was, uh, as, as um, is alluded to here, is that the eyes was the window to the heart and to the soul. And so whatever the eyes focused upon would be what would fill the heart. And so as I say that, you can know that, well, that's kind of true. Not just kind of true, that is true of how our beings work, isn't it? That, that what we focus upon, what we look at, becomes the thing that fills our heart. And so Jesus is saying, if your eye is good, uh, which the literal meaning of that is, that is a good eye is an eye that has a single focus, a single purpose in this context. If your eye is good means if your eye is focused upon the kingdom of God, or focused upon the lordship of Jesus and nothing else, then your heart will be filled with light. If you treasure heavenly treasure, then Jesus has your heart. If you're focused on the things of the kingdom, if you're focused upon Jesus, then your heart will be filled with the light of Jesus. But if your eye is unhealthy or bad, uh, literally an evil eye, which means greedy, covetous, desiring what doesn't belong to it, then your whole body will be filled with darkness. And so Jesus is saying, if our attention, if our sight is focused on anything other than Jesus, if it's focused on the things of this world, the things that we possess or wish we possessed, then that's what will fill your heart. If you're focused on what you don't have, if you're focused on coveting more and more and more, as the scripture says, those who desire money never have enough. If you're focused on what you don't have or protecting what you do have, if that's where your sight is focused, then that's what will fill your heart. And Jesus says, if that's the case, then your heart will be filled with darkness, not the light of Jesus. And so Jesus is saying, not just be careful what you treasure, but be careful with what you focus on. And the real question of all of this is, who is your Lord? Who is your Lord? That's the question that's underlying all of this speak about treasure and eyes and good eyes and bad eyes. Jesus is saying, well, who is your Lord? Be careful what you treasure. Be careful what you focus on because those things will answer this question for you. Who is your Lord? And so Jesus says in verse 24, no one can serve two masters. No one. You're all very special, amazing, lovely people and I love you all very much but you're not good enough, special enough or whatever. You don't possess the power to serve two masters just like everybody else in all of creation. See, either you will hate one and love the other or you'll be devoted to one and despise the other. You cannot serve both God and money. So 
So Jesus is asking essentially, who is your Lord? The word for money here isn't just money. It comes from an old uh, Greek word, memon, which means you know, property, possessions, riches, belongings. It's the treasure of this world. And, and so Jesus is saying you can't have Jesus as Lord and then be focused on property, possessions, be- riches, belongings, the things of this world. You cannot have both. You cannot be focused upon both. And the word here is, is master or Lord, and, and so we're not talking about an employer. In this day and age, like several of us have uh, multiple jobs, we might have two bosses, and you might think, well, I can, you know, on Monday, Tuesday, and Wednesday, I serve um, Mrs. Bloggs, and on, you know, the other days in the week, I serve, you know, Mr. Smith. Uh, and, and, and so I've got two bosses, and that works out, and there's no conflict between them. And, but this is not the language that Jesus uses. Jesus is not using the language of an employer-employee relationship. He's using the language of a slave owner and a slave. So the thing about this word, master, is that the master owns the servant. This is language of who do you belong to, not who do you work for. Who do you belong to not who do you work to? Who is your Lord? And so we either belong to God or we don't. There's no middle ground. Either God possesses all of you or he possesses none of you. In the outworking of that in our lives, we grow and, and develop and we've been transformed from glory to glory into the image of Jesus. And, and so there's growth in our journey with Jesus. But, but when we're answering the question, who is your Lord? It's either Jesus or it's not. You cannot serve, you cannot belong to both God and money. You cannot belong to both God and anything else. The whole point of this is you can only have one master, you can only have one Lord. And so Jesus speaking to his disciples in the earshot of the crowd, as we've talked about throughout this series, he's saying that, that, that I want you to make me, this is Jesus, I want you to make me your only master. I want you to stop treasuring up things in this life. I want you to stop focusing on all of this, what this world has to offer. I want you to stop trying to keep up with the Joneses or squash the Joneses down and stand on top of them or, or make it your priority to have this and have that or uh, get a better car, get a better pair of shoes or, or you know, protect what you have. Jesus says, I want you to stop and choose that I will be your one and only Lord. Jesus does not abide a divide in our devotion to his lordship. And so we may say to ourselves, well, I'm not storing up treasure, I'm just trying to get by. All you need to do is look at my bank account and see that, well, I could never be held guilty of storing up treasure. Have you seen my cars? You know, they're at least 10 years old. Both of them, they're at least 10 years old and... 
and so is the caravan. And, and, and you, could, you could say that I'm not storing up treasure, I'm just trying to get by. Or you could say that well, I'm just trying to put food on the table, I'm just trying to pay the bills. You couldn't accuse me of storing up treasure. I'm just trying to put food in the pantry. But, but Jesus' next words and the rest of this passage that we're exploring today kind of deflate that balloon for us. Because Jesus' next words were, are, and, and, and sometimes the headings in our, in our printed Bibles are really helpful. Um, you'll see a heading there that says, do not worry before this. And so that makes us think, oh, Jesus stopped talking about treasure. Now he's talking about worrying. But Jesus didn't pause here. Nor did Matthew as he wrote the gospel. This is Jesus' application of what it means to not store up treasure on earth. He says, therefore, I tell you, do not worry about your life. Do not worry about your life. Your life, your life should not be your primary concern. Your life should not be what you're focused upon. Your life should not be what consumes your attention. Do not worry about your life. Do not worry about what you will eat or drink. Do not worry about your body. Do not worry about what you'll wear. Is not life more than food and the body more than clothes? Jesus is calling all of us into a higher purpose than running around chasing food to eat, clothes to wear, house to live in, cars to drive. See, we can be focused on on treasure, the things of this world, whether we have lots of it or none of it. See, it's not about how much you possess, it's about what possesses you the word here for worry is uh, in the original Greek doesn't uh, it kind of means in some sense what we might think of as anxiety but it actually means being drawn in opposite directions pulled apart divided or distracted and so Jesus is saying don't be distracted or divided by, don't have your attention and your concern and your energy pulled away from Jesus is Lord to worrying about these things. Food, drink, clothes, housing, cars. Don't be distracted by them. Don't be drawn away by them. And the thing is, this, this word's not always a bad word in, in the Bible. It's not always something that we should be worried about. Sometimes this word is, is uh, used about the kingdom of God and used about uh, spreading the gospel. It's a word that really just talks about our primary concern, something that pulls on our attention. And, and so the question is, what are we worried about? Well, then we shouldn't be worried about clothes, but we should be worried about who is our master, who is our Lord, but we should also be worried about God's kingdom. Worry is an intense concern. So what are you concerned about? Can we honestly say that we are more concerned about the lordship of Jesus over our life, about the priority of his kingdom, over all of the things of this life? Because if our worry, if our concern, if our attention, if our priorities are consumed by even these basics of life, Jesus isn't talking about Ferraris and mansions here. If our worry, concern, attention and priorities are consumed by even the basics of life, Jesus is not fully our Lord. 
if there's anything in that same realm in our minds competing for attention with Jesus, then Jesus is not fully our Lord. Then Jesus does not fully have our heart. And so Jesus isn't uh, speaking here as a, as a hard taskmaster kind of trying to beat down the troops. He's trying to set us free from worrying about the basics of life, the, the things that Jesus says of, isn't life more than these? He's trying to set us free so that we can be concerned about a higher purpose. And he, and he says throughout that passage, which we're not going to read it all this morning for the sake of time, but he says, look at the birds of the air. They couldn't give a stuff about anything. Yet they have food to eat. They're not spending their life worried about will I have food to eat, will I have clothes to wear, will I have a home to live in. doesn't mean they don't build homes, they build nests. But there's an abundance of provision of what they need to build their nests out of. There's an abundance of provision about what they need to eat. And Jesus says, look at them. They're not worried. The Father takes care of their needs. And you're worth so much more to the Father than them. How much more so is he going to take care of your needs? And then he says, look at the flowers of the field. And um, commentators on this passage say it's very likely that at the time of the year Jesus would have been speaking, that uh, that Jesus would have been speaking to the crowd on this hillside surrounded by beautiful wildflowers. And so Jesus says, look at the flowers of the field. They don't worry about how to be dressed. They don't worry about having enough clothes to wear. They don't worry about having the latest, the trendiest clothes to wear. But they're clothed more beautifully than Solomon, who at that stage was the quintessential uh, example of success and opulence in Jewish culture. It says, flowers that put no effort into their dress are clothed more beautifully than Solomon. Why? Because God clothes them. God does that. God takes care of their needs. And so Jesus says, look at the birds, look at the flowers, and then he says, don't run after these things because pagans run after them. Those who have no trust, no relationship with God as Father, these are the things that they're worried about. People who don't know God as Father are worried about houses, clothes, shoes, phones, watches, holidays, belonging, stuff, wanting more of it or protecting what they have. Those who have no relationship with God as Father, that's the stuff that consumes all of our attention, all of our mind. If we don't know God as Father, that's what consumes it. And he says, don't run after these things because your Father knows that you need them. Your Father knows that you need them. It's not a surprise to our Creator that we need food. He's not shocked by it. He knows we need it. One of the, 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 the first acts of the Father to us as humanity after the fall, when we broke our commitment to Him, when we defied His wishes in the garden, one of His first acts for us was to provide clothing to cover our nakedness. God knows that we need clothes. It's not a surprise to him. 
And that Garden of Eden moment, if you're familiar with the story, gives us a beautiful picture of what it looks like to try and have our attention drawn to those things and try and fashion our own belongings. Adam and Eve made this dodgy kind of fig leaf kind of thing that probably didn't cover much at all. And God gave them leather jackets. See, the thing is that trusting in God as Father does not mean going without. Trusting in God as Father, having heavenly things as our treasure, having our eyes focused on God's kingdom, having Him have all of our heart, doesn't mean a vow of poverty for everybody. Some people are called by God to live that kind of simple, basic life, but it doesn't mean for everybody a vow of poverty. What it means is that we trust God for our needs, that as we fix our gaze on Him, as we trust in Jesus as Lord, as we trust in God as Father, as Jehovah Jireh, as provider, that that we are not worried or focused or concerned about our own life, our own provision, our own clothes, because we trust that God will provide all that we need. And so we're free from the concern that those that don't know God contribute to all of those things. And so Jesus says, seek first the kingdom of God. We have one Lord and we have one priority. One Lord that is Jesus and one priority that is this. Seek first the kingdom of God. But seek first his kingdom, he says in Matthew chapter 6, 33 to 34, and his righteousness and all these things will be given to you as well. So there's two parts of having faith in God as provider. There's having faith that he, he knows what you need. But there's also having faith that he'll actually provide it. And so Jesus says, if we can just free ourselves from chasing after treasure, even if that treasure is just food on the table, if we can follow Jesus as our one and only Lord, if we can belong fully to him, if we can seek the kingdom above all else, then everything else we need will be provided. We don't need to worry about it. We take the picture of the flowers of the field, we can, we can say that, though sometimes that might mean that there's things we thought we needed that we don't actually need, there's also times where, where God just blesses us with beauty in our life. That's that's not really a desperate need. Like I'm sure God could have designed flowers to attract bees, to pollinate them and them not look so beautiful to us. But God just like, let's just make them beautiful. And so trusting in God doesn't mean that your life is going to be empty of, of beauty, that even it's just going to be this kind of bare bones existence. There might be things we think we need that we don't need when we trust in God, but, but God wants to clothe us with beauty. Seek first his kingdom and these will be added to you as well. He says, therefore, do not worry about tomorrow for tomorrow will worry about itself. Each day has enough trouble of its own. Jesus wants us to be present-centered people. Doesn't mean we don't plan for the future, but, but the thing about worry and about concern, about food on the table, about Ferraris and houses and everything in between is that it steals our attention away from the present. It steals us from being present. And so Jesus is saying, be here now with one Lord and one priority. With one Lord that is Jesus Christ and one priority that is his kingdom. 
So what does that look like? Well, it looks like a thousand different things to each of us. But what it looks like is being all in for Jesus. Um, and that's a little teaser in a sense because that's the, the vision word phrase I have for, for, to share about on our Vision Sunday about 2019, that, that I believe God is calling us in a renewed way as a church to be all in for Him. It looks like taking a mental accounting of, well, what do I spend most of my time thinking about, worrying about, consumed by? And taking whatever steps it takes, whether that's mental steps or getting rid of things, to say, I am going to be all in for Jesus. I'm not going to be divided, pulled apart, pulled away from Him by treasure. I'm not going to be pulled away from Him in my focus I'm not going to look to the left or to the right. I'm going to be all in for Jesus. The scripture is full of stories of people having these defining moments when, when they step all in for Jesus, when it's not about things of this world, that they pour it all out at the feet of Jesus. We can think of tax collectors who, who meet Jesus and pay back four times the money that they were swindled, give half of what they have to the poor, make this defining moment say, I'm just going to give it all away because this treasure has my heart and so I'm just going to give it all away because I want to treasure the things of heaven and so I need to get rid of this so I can have that. We can read of former prostitutes who have been forgiven and set free from Jesus and and pour out perfume on Jesus' feet and and anoint him in advance for his burial and other people are criticizing them saying, you've wasted that. You could have sold that, we could have given it to the poor, but but you see, that perfume wasn't just worth a year's wages, uh, as the scripture tells us, it was what was part of her trade. It was part of, you know, smelling nice was how she attracted customers, was part of the trade. And, and so she pours that out because she's saying, I'm not going to be attached to that life anymore. I could have sold it and made money from it, but that treasure comes from somewhere else and I want to treasure nothing but Jesus. I want to be possessed by no one but Jesus. But sadly, we can also think of rich young men who come to Jesus who say, what, what must I do? to possess the kingdom of heaven. And Jesus says, well, do you keep the laws? And, and, and the young man says, yeah, I, I'm doing all of the things. And he says, well, just one thing then. Get rid of that treasure. Sell it. Give it to the poor. Come follow me. This man had this opportunity that so few people had to be invited into the inner circle of Jesus' followers in his ministry on earth, to belong to Jesus. But we're told he went away sad. He chose, he's amassed earthly treasure over casting it all aside for heavenly treasure. So the question this morning I want to ask you is, what will you choose? Will you choose, either for the first time or for a new time or at a deeper way, will you choose to have one Lord and one priority in your life? Or will you choose to walk away sad? You want it, but there's too much to give up. 
So the reason I say those examples is it's easy for us to come here, listen to that, think, yep, Jesus is super important, and then on Monday, just go straight back to chasing treasure, chasing food on the table, chasing clothes, chasing all of the things that people that don't even know God are chasing. So the reason I share those examples is because they're examples that people who had a defining moment in their life and they made a bold step and they said, I'm going to give it all away, I'm going to sell it, I'm going to pour it out on the feet of Jesus, I'm, I'm going to do something bold now to free myself from worrying about treasure so I can worry about Jesus. What will you choose? See, in reality, for all of us, we all treasure things that aren't Jesus. We all have priorities that aren't His kingdom. And so for all of us, every single one of us, absolutely myself included, this should be a moment of repentance for us, of coming before Jesus and saying, I'm sorry. I have not loved you as I ought. I have not devoted my life to you as I ought. There have been things that have come either over or alongside you in my mental space. I repent and now have all of me. Who is your Lord? What are your priorities? Or should I say, what is your priorities? And what do you need to let go of so that the answer to those is Jesus and his kingdom? I'm going to invite the worship team to come up. I'm going to pray and... What I want to invite you to do this morning is to make a statement. Those examples I talked about, they obviously mean like unless you really jump on your phone now and kind of transfer all of your money to World Vision or something like that, that's going to be something that will happen later. But what I want you to do, not if you feel convicted by me, but if you feel like God is stirring in your heart this morning for you to draw a line in the sand to make a decision that wherever you've been in the past whether you've been a long term follower of Jesus or or this is the first time you've heard his name and everywhere in between to draw a line in the sand this morning and say I only want to have one master in my life I want that to be Jesus I only want to have one concern and I want that to be the kingdom of God. If you feel like God's stirring in you this morning, just as we, as we sing this song, as we worship, just want to encourage you to make a statement and to come and, and just worship from the front as we do that. Um, just to declare publicly, not that you're doing it for the eyes of others like we talked about last week, but just to declare, I'm all for Jesus. I'm all in. We've got one chip in gambling terms, that's our life. Where are you going to place your chip? And so, Father, as we close with worship this morning, I pray that you would stir in our hearts. 
that you would stir in our hearts this morning, that we wouldn't just come in and go out and think, oh yeah, okay, message this morning, but that you would stir in our hearts, not my words, but the words of Jesus, that we can only have one master, one Lord, that we can only have, we should only have one priority. I pray that you would stir those truths in our So, Father, I pray you would stir us to go all in this morning for your son Jesus and for his kingdom. Amen. And so as we worship this morning, just encourage you uh, to come forward and let's worship in this space together as the declaration that Jesus is our Lord, that we belong to him. you've been blessed and encouraged by this message we'd love for you to become a part of the Ask Baptist family log on to ycbc.church to find out more